These are Rod's words. Home on the range. Almost everyone knows the words to that, right? At least to the first verse or two. Some of you may even have been singing along. I do, too. But there's one verse I always get wrong. It comes right after that wondrous image of deer and antelope playing. And I always wonder, what are they playing? Freeze tag? Hide and seek? Bocce ball? But right after the deer and antelope playing, whatever it is they're playing, comes this. Where seldom is heard an encouraging word. An encouraging word. That's what I hear in my mind. And then I have to correct myself and remember the real words to the song. Where seldom is heard a discouraging word. Can you imagine a place like that, where one seldom hears discouraging things? That is not the range on which I have been living. Rather, it's been a matter of how many discouraging things I can handle hearing today, and how can I possibly respond to them all? How can I possibly respond to any? Discouragement, after all, is the feeling that any response I can come up with will be insufficient ineffective, futile. Discouragement drains me of my belief that what I do matters, of my conviction that I can make a difference, of my sense that I matter. Discouragement robs me of courage. How can I ever replenish courage, restore courage, if I am in this world where an encouraging word is seldom heard? This is extremely important and dangerous because life, any kind of meaningful engagement with life, requires us to risk being vulnerable. And taking such a risk requires courage. And let's face it, it is far, far, far easier to discourage or to be discouraged than it is to encourage or to be encouraged. Encouragement blows up the balloon. Discouragement pops it. Encouragement requires intention. Discouragement can be a quick and thoughtless act. And discouragement not only works faster, it can pop 10 or 20 or 30 balloons in the time it takes to blow up one. I can find reasons to be discouraged everywhere. I can be discouraged by the way someone looks at me and the withering look that they've given me that I'm so sure is a judgment on my very personhood could have nothing to do with me at all. It might have been caused by indigestion or a painful memory or simply be an expression that I misread altogether. I can be discouraged by things I hear or see or read. Tune into the news on any device you choose and prepare for discouragement. And a positive news story is quickly swept away in the dire and depressing tone of all the rest, and what I am quickly convinced is humanity's rush toward death and destruction. I can be discouraged by personal circumstances. The problematic relationship can overshadow and even lead me to question the more healthy and supportive relationships I enjoy. The stress in my life can quickly overwhelm the peace I have nurtured. The pain can convince me it's eternal while I know the joy is fleeting. 
For whatever reason, humans seem programmed to believe the negative. In Dr. Phil's speak, it takes a thousand attaboys to erase one you're an idiot. So whatever you think of Dr. Phil or the phrasing that he chose, there is a truth here, there, a negative message, a discouraging message, tends to take on a greater significance than a positive one, an encouraging message. And if this is even close to the truth, it seems like we here should be paying attention to how we are encouraged and how we encourage others. How do we increase our capacity for courage? Now, courage is a powerful word. To be seen as courageous is no small thing. Then why is it, I wondered, that encouragement and discouragement sound to my ear, well, kind of wimpy? They just need a little encouragement. Yes, the news is kind of discouraging. They're often used with mild modifiers that make it seem like they are slight alterations one way or another in our feelings. Also, rather than being associated with courage, many of the definitions of encouragement and discouragement seem to have more to do with controlling or even less charitably trying to manipulate a situation or guarantee a particular outcome. Here are a couple examples of encouragement of encourage from the online Merriam-Webster dictionary. Urge, they encouraged him to go back to school. Foster, government grants and designed to encourage conservation. Now, granted, those are second and third definitions, but culturally speaking, I think they may have become primary. We encourage and discourage particular behaviors. We encourage not people, but particular outcomes. Or we encourage people only insofar as they help us achieve particular outcomes. Yes, you should encourage more of that. No, I don't encourage them to do that. But is that all that encouragement means? What does this have to do with its root word, that word which I have decided is so crucial to living itself, courage. What if I want to encourage a person and not a plan? What if I wish to recapture the first definition of encourage in the Webster Dictionary, to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope? So I looked closer to home, to this home, our congregation, and I began by reading our mission. No mention of courage. I searched our covenant. No mention of courage. I searched our six sources listed in front of your hymnals. No mention of courage. And finally, our seven principles, also listed in the front of your hymnals. One mention of courage. And not courage all by itself, but sandwiched within the word encouragement. Our third principle says, we covenant to affirm and promote acceptance of each other and encouragement of spiritual growth in our congregation. There it is. And it made me wonder how often I had sort of skipped over the principle, this principle as a nice but fairly passive statement. Yes, yes, we'll be nice to each other. We'll accept, we'll encourage. Okay, okay, let's get on with the real stuff, you know, changing the world, interdependent web, 
search for truth. We, I, sometimes have a tendency to dismiss the importance of what is right here in this step, acceptance and encouragement. And today, I especially want to highlight the word encouragement. What is this principle calling us to do? At first glance, it may appear that encouragement here is directed not so much toward a person as an outcome. We are not just encouraging people, but encouraging spiritual growth. Isn't that a little directive, controlling, even manipulative in a spiritual sort of way? I would say no, and here's why. It doesn't define spiritual growth for the individual, but it just may be that spiritual growth however we come to define it for ourselves, has something to do with deepening connections and risking vulnerability and engaging the inherent insecurity of living, all of which it requires courage. So we call ourselves to encourage one another so that we may, in the words of Beverly and David Bumbaugh, so that we may call out to each other's struggles wisdom, and compassion that we never knew we had. And if I could add a single line to that beautiful reading from the Passover Haggadah that we used for the chalice lighting, may with the light we now kindle inspire us to use our powers to heal and not to harm, to help and not to hinder, to bless and not to curse, it would be this, to encourage and not to discourage. It sounds like a small thing, but it is vitally important. And sometimes it only takes a slight adjustment in our perspective, a change in focus from the problem to the person, a stepping outside of ourselves and our own feeling or viewpoint or purpose to see another. Novelist and short story writer George Saunders said, I can look back and see that I've spent much of my life in a cloud of things that have tended to push being kind to the periphery. Things like anxiety, insecurity, ambition, the mistaken belief that enough accomplishment will rid me of all that anxiety, fear, insecurity, and ambition. The belief that if I can only accrue enough, enough accomplishment, money, fame, my neuroses will disappear. And it reminds me of some words from Julia Ward Howe's journal of 1874. Ambitious people climb, but faithful people build. Ambitious people climb, but faithful people build. We are faithfully building a community of kindness where seldom is heard a discouraging word. And I don't mean we deny reality. I don't mean we censor information that has the potential to discourage. We are not putting our fingers in our ears or covering our eyes to avoid addressing the challenges we face, whether personal or congregational or in our community or in the wider world. I mean that we put those things in context with other truths that we carried, expressed in our principles and sources and covenant and mission. We trust that we can call out of each other's strengths, wisdom, compassion that we never knew we had. And I don't mean that we encourage one another in a facile or fakey manner. My earlier balloon metaphor may have given you the impression that encouragement is a lot of hot air. 
not what I was going for. There are few things more discouraging than false or superficial encouragement that does not recognize, in the words of writer Annie Dillard, the other's beautiful face and complex nature. We encourage not by glossing over the inevitable failings of human beings, but by affirming and promoting the inherent worth and dignity of every person in the midst of our feelings and our struggles. Encouragement is not a lot of hot air, but it may have to do with breath in the way that one of our hymns suggests, when I breathe out, I breathe out love. We concur with Saunders' advice to the 2013 graduating class at Syracuse University when he said, To the extent that you can, err in the direction of kindness. Do those things that incline you toward the big questions and avoid the things that could reduce you and make you trivial. That luminous part of you that exists beyond personality, your soul, if you will, is as bright and shining as any that has ever been. Bright as Shakespeare's, bright as Gandhi's, bright as Mother Teresa's. Clear away everything that keeps you separate from the secret, luminous place. Believe that it exists. Come to know it better. Share its fruits tirelessly. Nurture it. Share its fruits tirelessly. That is, I think, what we mean when we say in our mission that we will deepen connections by nurturing spiritual growth. We encourage each other along this path because we know that it takes great, quiet, persistent courage to carry it out on a daily basis in the face of so much discouragement. And we also know how powerful it can be, what it can inspire. Faithful people build, and we build one another up through acceptance and encouragement, through recognition of that luminous part of each of us. When I was sinking down beneath my sorrow's ground, friends to me gathered round, O my soul. To love and to all friends I will sing, to love and to all friends who pain and sorrow mend, with thanks unto the end I will sing. Though courage isn't mentioned directly in our mission, it is there nevertheless. Deepening connections inspires courage. When we proclaim the gospel that each human being is infinitely precious, when we realize the meaning of our lives lies hidden in our interactions with each other, when we encounter each other with wonder, appreciation, and expectation. In today's world, encouraging words are seldom heard, but we will speak them here, and we will embrace and uphold that encouragement that is wordless, letting inward love guide our deeds and acceptance open our hearts. So may it be.